everybody, welcome back. It's been a it's been a phenomenal season for us as a church. But these testimonies that we just heard today were so awesome. God is in love with His church, and God loves showing off His abilities in in your lives. Uh, and just to be able to hear the testimonies of God interacting with humanity, divinity and humanity coming together is such a, to me, is the trip of a lifetime. And I, and I really believe that God wants to move in each and every person's life. If this is your first time watching us, we're so glad that you joined us today uh, for this service. Um, you, are, you are loved here. You are welcome here. This is home for us and you are welcome home. Uh, you belong um, because God has a plan for your life. Uh, and in this church, you matter. You matter to God. Your life matters. And we truly believe that God's word uh, creates matter. God's word creates matter. His spoken word creates matter in your life. So I want to encourage you as you're listening to the word today, it's not just John speaking to you. God is speaking to you. I'm not saying that I'm God, don't get me wrong, but I'm, a, I'm just a vessel. I'm just, a, I'm just his mouthpiece to be able to communicate what he's put on my heart today. If you believe his word, if you allow the word of God to get into your mind, I truly believe that you will experience heavenly matter in your life. Uh, this is good. This is good. Yeah, I can really feel, feel that uh, the revelation is going to flow in a great way today. So we did this phenomenal series called Man in the Mirror. And if you if you haven't watched it or you just watched the last episode on YouTube, we want to encourage you to go back to um, go back to the, the series on YouTube and watch it. It's truly life transforming. But today we're going to start a new series. Uh, and this series is going to be on the kingdom of God. Uh, and the title of this series is called Kingdom Dynamics. Uh, and it's going to be fun. I, can, I, can, I truly believe that, um, that, the, that the new creation is uh, it, it, when you are formed in, in the fullness of your identity and you understand your purpose, uh, you truly can see the kingdom of God functioning in your life. And as a son, as a new creation who is in Christ Jesus, uh, God wants to partner with you because he knows that he will be able to do quick things, things very quickly on the earth. Uh, and he will be able to move and his kingdom will be able to manifest in your life. So kingdom dynamics. And today we're going to start uh, laying the foundation of this series. Uh, and the title of my message today is the gospel of the kingdom. All right. So um, just to uh, just to understand what is the kingdom of God? You know, we've heard uh, these terms being thrown around the kingdom, the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God. In simple terms, the kingdom of God is God's dominion, his rule and his reign on earth as he is in heaven. Not as it is in heaven, as he is in heaven. Um, well, we must understand that God is a king. God is God, but he's also a king. And he has full dominion in heaven. He has full authority, full rule and reign in heaven. And on earth, his kingdom, his dominion on earth happens when we fully submit, when people come and receive his word and they fully submit to his rule and reign in their lives. We must understand 
when, when Jesus was praying to the Father, he was teaching his disciples to pray. And he said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that means that the kingdom of God is a vehicle or a vessel through which the will of God rules and reigns in your life. So if you, uh, if you welcome the kingdom of God in, in your life, then what you're saying is you're submitting to the rule and reign of God and His will in your life. God is, the dominion of God is not the, like the dominance of man. Man likes to dominate another, another man so that he has power over him. But in the kingdom, the kingdom dynamics is like this. That God has dominion over you by serving you. This is powerful. And so we're, we're going to go into a, a season where we'll understand how the kingdom of God functions. How does God rule and reign on the earth? Um, and how does, how does this, what are the dynamics in the kingdom? So I'm going to do a couple of dynamics, but, but I want to explain to you what the kingdom of God is, how it functions, uh, and we're going to go, we're going to take it from there, all right? So, so to understand, why does God have to establish his kingdom on earth. The kingdom of God is established in heaven. Everything in heaven is submitted to the rule and reign of God in heaven, in the realm of the spirit. But on earth, there, there's all of creation is still longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. The reason why they long for the manifestations of the sons of God is because the sons are fully submitted, are transformed into the image and likeness of the son who is the king above all kings. Jesus cannot become the king above all kings if you don't understand your kingly authority in the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, Every single person, uh, every single son that is brought into the kingdom goes through a purpose of, of uh, goes through a process of transformation to becoming like the king, Jesus. And it is only the, the, the ones who are, understand their authority will function in their purpose in the kingdom of God. All of creation is looking for those people. He's looking for, they're looking for the new creation because it is the new creation that gives life to all of creation. So, God wants to establish his kingdom on earth so that the earth can be transformed and become like heaven. That's why. Is there sickness in heaven? No. Is there disease in heaven? No. Is it on the earth? Yes. And until the kingdom of God comes, until the kingdom of God rules and reigns in your life, you will still be impacted by things of this world until you submit fully to the kingdom of God. So when Jesus is king over your life, when God is king over your life on the earth, listen to me very carefully now. When a demon wants to touch your life, he has to ask your king for permission. When any man has a plan, any woman has a plan to, that would bring harm to you, any economy, 
any disease wants to touch your life, has a plan for you, it first needs to ask God for permission, which you know will never happen. God will, He loves you so much that He'll never allow you. He'll never give an enemy permission to touch your life. The only one that can do that is you. Only you have the power and the ability to open up your life for the enemy to attack you. But when you are fully submitted to the, to the king above all kings, with the Lord above all lords, when, you, when you're fully submitted to, to God who is king in heaven and on earth in your life, no sickness will come near your body. No harm will come near your dwelling. You, your, your needs will always be met. You will never live in lack. I'm just prophesying right now. I just feel the anointing of the Lord as I'm speaking to you. No demon in hell will be able to touch you. You will live in safety and prosperity. This is the promise of, of living in the kingdom of God. Why would you not want to live in the kingdom of God? And many times people don't want it because they have to relinquish this thing called choice. Where we have to make a, we, we are put in a position where we have to choose God's will above our will. And we see that in Jesus' life. He lived in such submission to the Father, even submission unto death. A lot of times Christians don't prefer submission only when it's convenient. But when it starts becoming inconvenient, when your needs, when your wants are not being met, we choose to step out of submission. When it hurts, when, when you're not the beneficiary of, of, of it, that's when we step out of submission. But Jesus showed us that the kingdom dynamics are such that even unto death, he was fully submitted to the Father. You know, to understand why God wants to establish his kingdom on earth, we have to look at Israel's history because Israel's history reveals to us God's nature, his character and his love for his people. So I'm going to take you on a little bit of a story, but it's, it's going to be good. Okay, We see from, from time beginning, from the moment that God chose Israel as his people, they were the smallest nation in the world. They were just 12 tribes. And these people were God's chosen generation. They were God's special people. And every time uh, uh, God would rescue them, he would bring them, God rescues them and brings them into the promised land. And we see Israel over and over again Right, they would allow themselves to get distracted by what is happening. They would, they would, they, 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 a mixed group of people would would enter into their camp, and they would bring their gods, and they would bring their kind of worship, and they would bring all their 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 habits and their styles and all that kind of stuff. And to be relevant to to the times that they were in, they would compromise and they would stop worshiping God because they start worshiping other other idols. They would, they would marry into other, uh, 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 other kinds of people and they would, they would submit to the, their gods. And from that you'd have different tribes coming out and, and God would, always wanted Israel to be his special people. 
God wanted Israel to be close to his heart. He wanted to dwell with them. He wanted to lead them. He wanted to guide them. He wanted to reveal his love to them. But he also wanted them to worship him. He he was a jealous God. He wanted them only to himself. He didn't want to share them with another. And God always wanted to dwell with people as a father. But Israel wanted a king. Israel always wanted a king. We want a king who would rule over us. We wanted a king who, and you'll see this in in Saul's life. You know, um, uh, I'm not talking about Saul who became Paul, but King Saul's life. He was the first king that Israel chose. And they did not want to deal with with God and prophets. They wanted a king, a king who would keep them safe, a king who would would be powerful and wage war on their behalf and, 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 and invade other lands, but at the same time, pillage those lands and bring the riches to, to, to Israel so that they could have enough of, they could live in luxury. And you know, this was Israel's desire for a king. And God wanted to be Israel's king. God wanted to establish himself. God wanted to establish them as a nation and be their king and their God. But Israel over and over again kept getting distracted kept getting distracted, kept getting distracted. There are Christians today who are watching me today that, are, that, that have promises of God over their life, but they keep getting distracted and they wonder why things are not working out in my life. I am in the kingdom of God. Why things are not working out? Things are not working out because you're getting distracted by little things that are happening around you, little things that make you, that attract you, that, that cause you to get, uh, to get disturbed and distracted and eventually God, even with Israel, God would allow Israel to be left up to their devices. He would give them up to their devices. He would give them up to their habits. He would give them up to, if you want to worship that God, okay, go and worship. And so Israel would go ahead and do it and they would forget about God. And for years they would live in captivity and bondage under under a rule and, and reign of another God or another king. And we see this happening over and over with Israel where they would cry out to God in the midst of their, their, their brokenness, in the midst of, of turmoil, in the midst of, of just having such a, uh, uh, being treated really badly by, by the, the, these oppressors, these lords over their life, they'll cry out to God and God's heart would move for Israel and would come and rescue them. And we see prophet, the prophet Isaiah in, uh, in, in talking about a, a time like this, when Israel was was uh, was being destroyed by by was being besieged by the Babylonians, and and Israel now in Jerusalem, the Babylonians came and besieged uh, Jerusalem and broke the temple, something that was very sacred to Israel, where Israel believed that one day God will come and become our king. God will come and and he will rule and reign on on the throne in the temple in Israel. You must understand what Israel believed that God would do. And these Babylonians came in and they destroyed that temple. They destroyed the throne that Israel believed that God would rule and reign from Jerusalem. And we see 
Israel in such a broken state. Some of them had ran away. Some, uh, some of them went in exile. Some of them were, were, were broken. Some of them were taken as slaves. And, and some of them just hid in, in Israel in the ruins. And it is in this moment that prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 52, writes a poem, a beautiful prophecy of what is to come. I want, to, I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 52. I want to read from verse 7. And it, it's, it, you must understand that when Israel is, is in this place of brokenness, that a watchman on the wall comes, who is standing on the wall, looks into the distance. And when he looks into the distance, he sees a messenger running to them fully excited with a message. Must understand. Kingdom dynamics. What is the kingdom of God? This is what we're understanding today. What is the kingdom of God? And how does God rule and reign from heaven to earth? This is what we're understanding today. And so now these people, Israel, are looking now at, at the watchmen on the wall, are seeing these, this messenger running towards Israel. And the watchman comes to the people and says, Hey, there's a messenger coming with a message. And so Isaiah 52 and verse 7 says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices, with their voices they shall sing together, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Israel. This is such a powerful prophecy. But we must understand what Isaiah is, is, is telling the people. He's saying, hey, listen, even though our homes are destroyed, even though Jerusalem is destroyed. We're, we're, we're lamenting in, in the ruins of, of the temple. God is still on the throne. God is still God and he's coming to establish his kingdom on earth. God wanted to be with people. He wants to be with people. He wants to be your king and your God. But the way God does things is completely different to the way Israel expected God to do things. When God establishes his kingdom, he doesn't come riding on a horse. He sends his word with a messenger. He sends his word. See, the, we must understand the dynamic of the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is not a violent kingdom. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. And the way God establishes his kingdom is by sending his word with a messenger. So what does this messenger proclaim? He proclaims 
that God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace. God's kingdom is a kingdom of glad tidings of good things. God's kingdom is a kingdom of salvation, comfort and redemption. For time, from the beginning of time, we see that God has always used prophets or messengers to bring messages to people, to his people. And these messengers carry a prophetic declaration of what is to come. It, the, the message that, the peop- that these prophets bring, that these messengers bring, is in complete opposite to what is happening right now with Israel. They're in desolation. They're in, in the, they have no food. They're, they're, they feel like God has abandoned them. But a messenger comes with a message. And he says, this message, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. That word good news is the word gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is good news about the kingdom of God in your life. The gospel of the kingdom is not that the kingdom of God is coming to clash with kingdoms of the earth and overtake and rule and reign over them and and force them into submission. No, ladies and gentlemen, God is the one who places people in authority. God is the one who puts kings and queens in authority on the earth. How can he come and throw people out when he is the one who put them in, in that place? So the kingdom of God works differently to what we think or what even Israel thought was the the way the kingdom of God functions. You must understand that when God used prophets and messengers in in the old, he gave them his word. And when these messengers would come to people running saying, I have a word from God, I have a word of the Lord, it was to give, to restore them, but also to give them a way out in, into and what God's plans were for their future. And God always prophesied and God always gave Israel a word that he would bless them and prosper them and, and, and he'd take them into a land flowing of milk and honey, give them peace and save them from the situation they're in. Now you must understand that when the messenger comes with a message, that message has a, is a prophetic declaration of what is to come. And whoever believed in the message, listen to me very carefully, whoever believed the message of the messenger positioned themselves to benefit from the message when it manifests into reality. It's very important that you understand this. When a a person receives this message of glad tidings, of peace, of salvation, of God's kingdom being established and and his rule and reign on the earth, when a person believed that message, now when the message does come to pass, that person receives the benefit of putting their faith and believing in that word. This is very powerful. You might just think you're listening to another message today. You might think, well, you know, I'm a life church global man and the word is deep. And you might just think it's knowledge. But you must understand that everything that happens with the prophet is prophetic. 
And Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. And when we talk about his word, when we bring the prophet's words to, and we speak his word to, to his people, and his people believe his word, now when his word comes to pass, guess who's the beneficiary of it? You and I are. We're the ones in the kingdom of God who reap the benefits of peace, of love, of joy, of provision, prosperity. This is everything that God has in his kingdom and he he wants you to benefit from it. But it all starts with you believing, you and I believing the message of the messenger. And the way the kingdom of God works is that God always chose a messenger to take his message to his people. But you must understand that Israel had if because they were in in slavery and because they went through many wars they always desired a king who was strong a king who had a mighty army a king who who was very charismatic and sometimes christians also like their pastor to be like that they're charismatic they like leaders to be very charismatic be strong be firm and they, they don't they don't follow people who are humble people who are docile people who who are peaceful People are full of joy. They don't want that. We want strong people. Only the strongest and the fittest will survive. But in the kingdom of God, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite in the kingdom of God. Israel had a framework of what a messenger should look like. Israel had a framework in their mind of what God as a king should look like. And when the time came, You must understand, God does not follow man's will. God, you must understand, the the church of Jesus Christ does not democratically come together and vote Jesus into power. We don't decide who, who, who God is. Please understand what I'm saying to you today. God is the one who decides whether you should live or not. God is the one who is God. He is the one who is the king, not you and me. God is the one who decides who your pastor is. God is the one who decides who your leadership team are. God is the one who decides. We don't think, oh, well, you know, I don't like that leader because, you know, they look like that. Oh, I don't like this pastor because, you know, he does this, he does that. He dresses up like this. He has tattoos. Man, we, we don't decide these things. He is king. And when you are in his dominion, when you come under his dominion, you submit to his rule and reign. Come on, church. We've got a, uh, that is a good word. And so now we see that Israel had a framework. The church has a framework. Pastor needs to be like this. Pastor needs to speak like this. He has to do, only only according to my church experience will the pastor do things. No, please trust me. God, when God wants to do something, he does something that has never been done before. He comes in ways and he communicates in ways that that he's never done before. And so Israel was caught out of it. When, you must understand, they're looking for a messenger and someone prophesies. Of a messenger who is coming to prepare the way of the Lord. Who is crying in the wilderness. They were not expecting. They were expecting a messenger to come. And John the Baptist shows up with locusts. Eating locusts and eating wild honey. And dressed in camel's hair. And they're like, hello. What kind of a prophet is this? What kind of a message he has? And sometimes we shoot the messenger 
And we, we reject the message. <laughs> it sounds funny, but I want to I tell you, when you reject the messenger for what he looks like, for the way he communicates and what his character is, you are rejecting the message of God. And when you reject the message of God, you are rejecting your future. Come on now. Listen, God used a donkey in the Bible to speak. I'm better than donkey. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but you must understand, God will use a, an advertising board on the street to communicate a message to you. But if you don't have the discernment, if you don't know God, you will not know what he's, a, he's saying. You won't recognize his character, his nature in the new things of God. And sometimes we shoot the new things by rejecting the messenger. Oh, no, 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 no. These new people, you know, the way they are dressed, the way they talk, all this. You know, what, what is this on uh, television? You know, how come you be like, like this so many views on YouTube? Is it about the views now? Is it about that now? You don't understand. The, the landscape of church has changed. The future of church is not in the four walls of a building, ladies and gentlemen. The future of church is global. It's in the cloud. That's where we're going. Anyway, coming back to my message. So you must understand that the last messenger before Jesus could appear, you must understand every messenger from the time of Adam, everyone that spoke on behalf of God was talking about one person. His name is Jesus. Every messenger was giving a message about a time when Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would show up. So John the Baptist turns up on the scene now and he has a responsibility. Must understand. John the Baptist, okay, he had a message. It wasn't the way, but it prepared the way for the King of Kings to walk on. He prepared the way. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. So I want you to go to Mark chapter 1. And we, I want to show you something phenomenal. Mark chapter 1 and we'll read from verses 1 to 4. The beginning of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. That's it, the message right there. He's saying, he starts off by saying, the, this is the beginning, guys. This gospel right here, the gospel, if you, if you look above chapter 1, look right here. If you look above chapter 1, it says the gospel according to Mark, which means this is the message that God gave to Mark. Okay? The message, the good news according to Mark. So Mark is now saying, hey, listen, this is the message that God gave me about Jesus. Every message is about Jesus. It's about revealing Jesus. It's about, it's about creating, preparing the way for Jesus to manifest himself. So now Mark is saying this, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. He's preparing the way for us. The Son of God as it is written in the prophets. Huh? He's now quoting a previous message. A previous good news that somebody was talking about Jesus. He's saying, listen, I've got a message and I've got confirmation from the prophets of old. 
And now I'm just, I'm just telling you what they said is what the Lord said to me that I'm saying to you that you will say to people and there's those people who say to other people and every time we talk about the good news, Jesus shows up. Come on, man. This is powerful. Verse 2, he says, As it is written in the prophets, Behold. Behold means be whole. Like, look, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So now this is the ministry of John the Baptist, right? So, so the prophets were talking about someone who will come just before Jesus is about to get manifested. Just before Jesus is about to be revealed. Okay, so he's talking about the revealer of Jesus, the messenger of Jesus. And then he goes on to say what his message was. All right. He says this, verse 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. This is phenomenal. Please, now... Hang with me for a minute. We're just going to go deep into Revelation. Okay? I want you to go to verse 14. Mark 1 verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel. What gospel was he preaching? The gospel of the kingdom. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay? So now you must understand a messenger comes running to Israel and says, Hey, I've got a message for you. Even though you are in ruins right now, God hasn't forgotten you. God loves you. And the reason why you're in this state, I'm paraphrasing the whole book now. The reason why you're in this state, Israel, is because it's your own doing. You have allowed it to happen by worshipping other gods, by giving your heart away to something else. You've allowed destruction to happen in your life, ladies and gentlemen. It, wasn't, it was never God's heart for you to, to, to face difficulty. right? And so now, there's another messenger that's come. And this messenger is hot off the press. I mean, you can't put him in a box. The guy is, is coloring outside the lines. In fact, there's no lines for the guy. He lives in the wilderness. He is absolutely wild. You can't bring him into, a, into a, the four walls of a church. You understand where I'm going with this now? You can't bring him into four walls of a church, put a tie and coat on him and say, okay, prophesy. No, he is wild. God chose him because he was wild. He's like my spiritual father. You know, he said, I'll father you. Pastor Neil, he said, I'll father you as long as you remain raw. I love that. I love that because he gave me the freedom to be able to, to express myself the way God wants to express himself. But at the same time, raw doesn't mean that I'm not submitted. Hello. Fully submitted. <laughs> Raw doesn't mean that I'll do whatever I want to do. Oh, no, no, it doesn't work like that. I, I, in the kingdom dynamics, I'll teach you submission. Just, just wait. It'll come. It'll come. This series, hold your heart. Everything's going to be fun. Okay. So, John came. Now, pay attention. Pay very close attention. Okay. As a church, we believe in the progressive word. All right. The word is progressive. Yes. Okay, good. Now, it says that John came baptizing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism 
of repentance for the remission of sins. Long statement, big words. I'll explain it in a simple way. What is baptism? Baptism means immersion, submission. Not submission, immersion and being pushed under something. Okay? So baptism of repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is changing the way you think. So John's message is, hey, if you want your sins to be remitted, remitted means God does not hold your sin against you, which means the, the slate is clean. If you want forgiveness of sins from God, okay, this is John's message. This is his good news, okay? The good news is God wants to forgive you. He wants to remit your sins from your life. But in order for you to do that, you have to now be submerged Right? Baptized, submerged, go under into a lifestyle of repentance. So being submerged or being submerged into a lifestyle of constantly repenting. I see something in my life that is not of God. I repent, which means I change the way I think. Repentance doesn't mean asking God for forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen. Repentance means I realize that I was thinking the wrong way. And now I choose to think according to the God way, not even the right way, the God way. That's when you experience remission of sin. Now, this is a powerful, powerful teaching. But John was, was so powerful in his teaching that he, he had to have, people had to have an outward expression of how they, what they were deciding on the inside of their heart. So they were baptizing people in water. Come on now. They were baptizing people and Jesus comes to John and says, hey, let us fulfill all righteousness that I should be baptized. And so he baptizes Jesus. What did he baptize Jesus into? He baptized Jesus into a lifestyle of repentance. Come on now. Which was his message. He baptized Jesus into his message. But his message was not the message. It was only the way to prepare the, for the message to come. Come on now. Every single messenger had a message up until Jesus. And so now we see John bringing a message to people and he's saying, you need to be immersed in my message. If you're immersed in my message and this is your lifestyle, God remits you of your sin. Come on now. There's remission of your sin. And people were experiencing the freedom of it. John gets arrested, okay? John gets arrested, which means he's not the messenger anymore. Which means that prophetic word is not being declared. That message from God is not being declared. Jesus gets up on the scene and he goes to Galilee and he says, Hello, the kingdom of God has come. Bam, that's his message. He, this is, this is, the gospel of the kingdom 2.0. Literally, Jesus comes on the scene preaching the gospel of the kingdom. It's not different to what John was preaching, but it is the upgraded progressive word that John was preaching. Look, look, let me show you how. Let me show you how amazing this is. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he uses John's message and he says, repent and believe, the God, believe in the gospel. 
He's saying repent, which means use John's message because that was the way, that was the message at one point in time. Don't reject the old. Get that message, it's very important. Transformation comes by the renewing of your mind. Paul talks about it as well. We want to experience transformation. We're a church about transformation. It starts by renewing your mind. That kind of a lifestyle is John's gospel. It's John's gospel. It's John the Baptist, his message. And so he comes now and Jesus says, hey, listen, repentance is important. But he doesn't say, come now, I want you to get water baptized. He says, repent and believe the gospel. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a gospel of the kingdom that Jesus brought. There's a good news. He came to establish the kingdom. It was his time for him now. Jesus was also a messenger from God. It was his time to bring the message, but also his time to be the message. And so we see that the renewed mind is the seat or the throne upon which the kingdom of God rules and reigns in your life. The renewed mind, John's gospel, the lifestyle of the renewed mind enables you to, to have the mind of Christ. The, the renewed mind does not think the old thoughts. When I say old thoughts, the thoughts of the old man according to the knowledge of good and evil. But the renewed man thinks the thoughts that Christ thinks today. Did you get it? Today. He says, repent, John's gospel, and believe in the gospel of the kingdom. Which means he's saying, live the lifestyle that John wants you to live. Be submerged in repentance. Why? Because the word came through John. That word came and it convicted you of your sin. It convicted you of things that, you, that, 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 that was not of God in your life. And you allow that to continue. Continue to live in that place. But I'm calling you today to believe in my gospel. We're not worried about, oh, what did Abraham do and what did Moses do and all that kind of stuff. I want to know whether you believe what Jesus is saying today, here and now. Because there's a gospel of the kingdom that is progressive. The gospel of the kingdom is current. God, Jesus is speaking right now. He has a message and he's speaking his message to his people. But do, does Jesus have you as a person who believes in his kingdom, who believes his message today? Yes, we live the lifestyle of repentance. We're submerged in it. But also, we live by the preceding word of God. Jesus quotes in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, not proceeded, proceeds out of the mouth of God. Which means God is speaking to us right now. He has a message for your life. He has a message for your city. He has a message for your nation. He has a message for the world. But are you believing that message? Or are you shooting the messenger that has brought the message? 
Are you so focused on what kind of church it is and what kind of denomination and what kind of, uh, you know, uh, does he have a certificate? Doesn't he have a certificate? Who called him? When did God ask you for your permission? God chooses people. God anoints them to communicate. It's our responsibility, ladies and gentlemen, to believe. Believe. Let me tell you something. Every message, you can reject a message legally, reject a message that does not carry good news in it. Come on now. Because the nature of God is to give you good news. It's a gospel of hope. It's a gospel of prosperity. It's a gospel that that says, hey, listen, I love you. Anything outside of good news, you can legally reject. Because that messenger is not listening to the preceding word. But when we come into an understanding that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing every day and hearing the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, so what does Romans 12 chapter 3 say? Romans 12 3 says, hey, do not think too highly of yourself. I'm paraphrasing it. Don't think too highly of yourself. Think soberly according to the measure of faith that God gives you. So if you understand the measure of faith comes by hearing the word, right? So then think according to the faith that is in you. Sometimes people want to think according to the faith of the pastor or the leader or the life coach. But they don't want to think according to the faith that God gives them. They don't have faith. You know why? Because they're not listening to the preceding word of God. And in the kingdom of God, the dynamic in which God establishes his kingdom on earth and in your life begins with understanding the gospel of repentance and the gospel of the kingdom. It's both, it's two sides of the same coin. And Jesus did not come to reject John's gospel or Jesus did not come to say, well, Paul's gospel is better than my gospel. I'm going to prove something to you in a little bit about that. But Jesus didn't say, oh, well, my gospel is the best. My message is the best message. Do everybody else. No, 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 no. Please. It's a preceding word. He came to be the fulfillment of every law and prophecy that was given about him. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God manifests every word that God has ever spoken. Wow, that's deep. And every person that believes and receives that word into their heart, ladies and gentlemen, just imagine when you receive a word from God, let's say it's today for tomorrow, your heart begins to get faith. If your faith is built up, you begin to experience the benefits when the word is manifested. And we're seeing that in the testimonies of our people. Some people have not had a breakthrough in 10, 15 years of their life. I want to point you to the reality you lack submission to the word of God. Submission and application of the word of God. We look at other people's submission and we're like, oh, oh, you look at this one, look at that one. But we don't look at what God wants to do in our heart. He's causing you, he's calling you to repentance. A lifestyle of repentance. 
Be submerged in it. But also at the same time, he's calling you not to be stuck there, but constantly evolve, constantly move when God is moving, constantly progress because you're constantly hearing God's progressive word. This is so phenomenal. I want to show you something. The kingdom dynamic is so beautiful that remission, God has remitted your sins because of a lifestyle of repentance. You're submerged in it. But when you experience the proceeding word, you progress as the word progresses in your life. You proceed, your life proceeds as the word proceeds in your life. The word comes and it embeds itself into you. This word, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we've had debates about immortality for so long and people have rejected it, people have accepted it. I just want to, I just want to make the record straight. Do I believe in immortality? Yes, I do. Am I immortal? No, I'm not. But I want to tell you something, the people who don't believe in it. The word of God, the Bible says that God is immortal, he's invisible, he's indestructible. This indestructible message that came to us is immortal. And when this message begins to, you begin to hear this message, it, it is an indestructible seed that begins to go on the inside of you. And when that indestructible seed, that immortal seed begins to germinate on the inside of you, you begin to receive the immortal life that is God's beginning to give you life. Please, we have to be realistic. Don't be childish. Don't be pessimistic. Don't reject the message that God has to give you because you don't agree with the lifestyle of the messenger. Because you don't agree with what the messenger looks like. You will be, just imagine the people who rejected John the Baptist would never be able to see Jesus. Because he came to prepare the way for Jesus. I want, I want you to take you to, to John chapter 3. Quickly, John chapter 3. <clears throat> This is amazing. And this is Jesus now testifying. This is John testifying about Jesus. And we'll read verses 34 to 36. I'm so happy today's word is awesome, man. I'm telling you, really, this is really good, good stuff, good stuff. And this is the foundation, okay? We're just getting started. <laughs> Kingdom dynamics, I love that. Oof, so good. Anyway, verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Hello. The messenger, how he speaks is not, doesn't matter. But what he speaks matters. You're sitting there, some of you are cringing because you don't like me. I can't help it. God chose me, he likes me. <laughs> hey, get over it, man. Just get over yourself. It's all good. <laughs> For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the spirit by measure. Ooh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. This is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. 
He who believes, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Okay, the wrath of God already abided in you. But believing in the message of Jesus, the preceding word, pulls the wrath of God out of you and brings you into a blessing of everlasting life. That's a separate revelation. But what I want to talk about is Jesus here, he's, John is testifying about Jesus. He says, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Okay? He whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God doesn't give the Spirit by measure. Wow. Okay. Whew. This is powerful. Just understand that the one who speaks the word of God experiences the fullness of the Spirit. Is, I'm super excited about this. The one who speaks the word of God, like right now I'm speaking the word of God to you because God gave me a word to speak. The one who speaks the word of God does not experience a spirit by measure, which means, which means that when, when I, I am a messenger, I experience the fullness of the spirit. I don't experience the spirit by measure. Paul is saying, listen, according to the transformation of your mind, you receive faith by measure. Please, I'm connecting the dots now. John's revelation, okay, it's powerful. John's revelation of being baptized in the renewing of your mind, the lifestyle of renewal, gives you faith by measure. Jesus said, yes, you need it. But the one who speaks the word of God, the one who hears the proceeding progressive word of God, experiences the fullness of the Spirit. There was something about Jesus. He walked around and the, my God, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in bodily form in Jesus. How amazing is that? That's why when I give a prophetic word, when I say, hey, listen, there are people who are about to lose their job. I cancel their plan in Jesus' name. 500 people's jobs are restored. It's not my word. I'm just giving you, I'm just saying what God is saying. And then the fullness of his spirit comes and manifests the word. Why? It's because the messenger does not have the spirit with measure. As in God does not give little bit, little bit, little bit, increase, you know, little bit, increase. Oh, I'll fast and pray a little bit more. No, no, I'll increase in the spirit. I want to grow in the spirit of God. I want to have the power of God in me. No, ladies and gentlemen, when the one who speaks the word experiences the fullness of the spirit. See, this is the dynamic of the kingdom. When you're not in the kingdom, you don't even experience anything. You can't even see God. You can't even experience, you can't even hear his word. But when you're in the kingdom of God, when you're under his dominion, you, you, you receive the message of the king. And when you speak the message of the king, 
now he releases the spirit of God. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. The Bible says that you have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. You've not been anointed with oil, ladies and gentlemen. The oil does not do anything for you. It just makes you oily. (laughs) But what makes you powerful is the Spirit. And God has anointed you. He's submerged you. He's, He's lavished you with the Holy Spirit. Why? Is because you heard the word and you spoke the word. I want I to show you something in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. It says this, And when Jesus went about all Galilee, Galilee, same place, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. So which means Jesus had a message. And the message was the message of God's kingdom on earth as, it, as he is in heaven. And so when every time Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, people started getting healed. John did not have that happening. Why? Is because renewing of the mind gave them faith to believe that God had remitted their sins. And that's all they cared about. But when Jesus came and preached the gospel of the kingdom and people who received the king's dominion in their life experienced dominion, the the, the kingdom of God came and superimposed itself upon their problems and gave them salvation. They experienced salvation every time they believed in the gospel of the kingdom. Just imagine the fullness of the Godhead. The fullness of the Holy Spirit dwells upon a person who speaks what God is speaking. I want you to go to John chapter 5 and I want us to read uh, verses 19 and 20. Jesus is saying this. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father doing. Or whatever he does, the son does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he would show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead, verse 21, and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. We see, we see the, the dynamic of the kingdom is a father and son relationship. And we must understand how the, how the, the kingdom functions. Their kingdom functions. He's saying this, the son, he's saying Jesus himself could not do anything that he did not see the father doing. The son can do nothing of himself. When you believe that you are a son in this house, And you believe that what what qualifies you to be a son is that God has brought you into the kingdom. That never, God will never disqualify that from your life. But when you start functioning in the kingdom, a son will only do what he sees his father doing. The fullness of the Holy Spirit upon a son comes when 
he only hears, he only speaks what he hears the Father speaking, John 12. And, and he only sees what, he, what the Father is doing. Because the Son in himself cannot do anything without the Father. See, the, the kingdom dynamic is not a, what we think a kingdom is like. The kingdom of God functions in, in a relational manner. The, the dynamic of the kingdom is father and son. And a lot of times, sons want to do things in the kingdom, but they don't understand that in of themselves, they cannot do anything. They need what is on their father's life. They need the father to show them what to do. They need the father to speak to them. And what the father speaks, they need to speak. What the, what the father does, they need to do. It is only in that context that, the, that we experience the fullness of the Spirit. When we begin to promote ourselves, when we try to do, hey, I've got new ideas, I want to do something, I want to change the world, I want to, I want to, I want to, you want to do all of that stuff, you can do it, but you'll get a measure of the Holy Spirit. But when you understand sonship, sonship is about seeing what the Father does and doing that. Not more, not less. I'm raising this standard, the bar. God is raising the standard of our church right now. What would it be like if you were to live the life of Jesus that he would only say, Jesus cannot quote, cannot quote something that is not true. I only speak what I hear the Father saying. What would our conversations be like? We, we sometimes speak more than what God is saying. And we wonder why we're not seeing the Spirit moving upon our lives. And sometimes we, 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 we do things that our, that, our, that our Father is not doing. We go to places thinking that God has called us there when He has not called you there. And we wonder why that what we got involved, that business that we got involved with, that those people that we got involved with, the, the, the business partners that we got involved with, the, the ministry that we got involved with, all of a sudden seem to be dying. It does not seem to be that the Holy Spirit is on this, the favor of God is on it. It's because you're not seeing what God is doing. And you're not speaking what you hear God saying. Ladies and gentlemen, I want, I want to explain to you how submission in the kingdom works. Submission in the kingdom is out of choice because of love. And because you are in relationship with your father. You must understand, Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. It wasn't, hey, I'm submitted to God and you know, God is my father and that's about it. No, we're in a kingdom. Today, I fully understand submission. I fully understand what it means to be submitted to a father. When, when I, you must understand, when I, I had a completely different um, series that I wanted to go on. But when I understood submission, you, you must understand, I took my, what I wanted to say, what I wanted to build the church with, and I presented it to my, my spiritual father and he gave me what he was doing with his church. I chose to do what he was doing. You must understand, there is 
power in it, the fullness of the Holy Spirit will dwell upon the son who is fully submitted to a father. And we must understand that the reason why we don't submit is because we've been abused in that area by people who did not have better revelation of submission. People, fathers and mentors who have abused the word submission. And people have experienced bad fathers before. That's why they, they, they shoot the messenger that they're supposed to be submitted to. And today, if you're in Life Church Global, if you don't believe you're a son in the house, you're only experiencing measures of the Holy Spirit. The breakthroughs will come. And because of a lack of submission in the house, you will lose your breakthrough. Because the anointing, ladies and gentlemen, the fullness of the Holy Spirit sustains the blessing. Not your choice. You, your choice, you have the choice to choose to submit to the will of your father. A lot of people, sometimes they, they just don't, they don't like the choices that I make on behalf of the church. They don't like the choices that I make. And I'm okay with it. I want you to know I'm okay with it. If you don't like it, it's bad for you. <laughs> but the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm not in it for fame. I'm not in it for popularity. I'm just looking at what my father is doing and I'm just doing that. Jesus did not come to win the most popular prize. He did not come to win the most likes on Facebook. You must understand that. He came to establish a kingdom that was unlike anything else on the earth. And that is what Life Church Global is about. It's Life Church Global is about establishing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And by God, we will do it. Whether people like it or not, we are moving ahead. And this is the time and this is the season for us to, to come into a full understanding. You might be a business person saying, I can't submit to this pastor. He doesn't know anything about business. But I'll tell you, I may not be knowing, I may not have all knowledge about business, but I'm anointed with the fullness of the spirit. That even though you're a businessman or woman and you come in submission to John and Kelsey and you come in submission in this house, your business will prosper because of your submission. Your ministry will prosper because of your submission. Your giftings will begin to accelerate because of your submission. You will grow. And you, see, what we're really focused is, is creating a platform for people to prosper. That's what we want to do. We want Jesus to be magnified in all the earth. So, Jesus was so submitted to his father that he knew that his father needed him to die on the cross. And even though he did not like it, it was painful, he still chose it. How many of us would say that today? That I'm so submitted that even if I lose everything, I'm still with my father. Submission is a choice that we make that enables us in the kingdom. It enables us to carry the full measure 
of the Holy Spirit. It starts with submission. My authority is left as global. That's my sphere of authority. When people submit in life to us global, what is the, the blessing that is on my life flows freely. You don't even need to ask me for, for me to pray for you. You don't even need to ask me for permission for the spirit to flow over your life. Submission is the key to unlock the blessings that is on my life upon your life. The entire human race was transformed because of a submission, because of the submission of Jesus. So you can understand, just take into perspective how important it is for you to submit. Submit to your pastors, submit to your life coaches, submit to your leaders. Submit to people with authority. That's what the Bible says. Submit to people in authority. We look at a nation that is on fire today with that is raging with, with, with protests and all of that stuff because of a lack of submission. How can a nation be, be blessed when there is a lack of submission? It's important. Today, the people that are experiencing the, the blessings that are on my life is because of what is on Pastor Neil's life, what is on my mom and dad's life. It's because of that, because we have fully submitted to who God is in their life, the, the message that is on their life, the message of grace that is on Pastor Neil's life. Because we're submitted, people are experiencing the freedom that comes through grace. When Jesus submitted to his Father, every single person began to experience the fullness of his message. It's very interesting. Jesus says, if you obey my commandments, if you obey my commandments, my Father will love you and I will love you and we will make, come and make our home with you. This is amazing. But Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 says that he is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. An apostle is a sent out one with a message. But he is the apostle, the sent out one and the high priest of our confession. What are we confessing today? What are we saying today? Are we saying the words that God is saying to us today? Are we speaking the word that God is speaking today? Are we doing the things that we see God doing today? Because if we are, then we have an apostle, a sent out one, a high priest who stands before God on our behalf. We begin to experience the fullness that was on Jesus' life upon the, this fullness of, of the Holy Spirit that was on Jesus' life on our life. We begin to experience it. Why? It's because we've received His message. When we receive the words of Jesus and we begin to speak the words of Jesus, we begin to experience and see the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There are many people today who, who, who don't understand the Great Commission. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, I want you to go to Matthew 28. Matthew 
Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me the the apostle the sent out one with the message a high priest now all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and of the holy spirit what is that the father son the holy spirit is the fullness the trinity the fullness of the godhead he's saying listen john baptized them in water john baptized them in 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 a gospel of repentance but now you will disciple nations by baptizing them in the fullness of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age this is the great commission that God has given us but we will not be able to fulfill or function we won't be able to extend the kingdom of God unless we understand that it all starts when I hear what Jesus is saying and I speak what he's saying I see what Jesus is doing in the world today and I do exactly that. Our conversations around friends would completely change. Our conversations in church would completely change. Our conversations at work would completely change. You know all the sidey jokes, the you know the the, the dark jokes, all of those things would would completely change because Jesus is not saying those things. How would Jesus be around your workmates? How would Jesus be around your college friends? How would Jesus hang out with with you in a coffee shop? How would what would we have to look at Jesus being hanging out with your friends? What kind of movies would Jesus watch? <laughs> what kind of music would Jesus listen to? What kind of people Jesus hangs out with? Because those are the people that you need to be hanging out with. If you want to see the fullness of the Holy Spirit manifest over your life, if you want to see this progressive anointing over your life, you've got to speak what Jesus is speaking and do what Jesus is doing because all authority has been given to Jesus. And now he's saying when you go, when you speak, when you speak what I'm saying and you do what I'm doing, whatever authority I have is now yours. You can cast out demons. You can cleanse the lepers. You can tread on serpents and scorpions and they shall not harm you. That becomes your fullness. And God Jesus was saying this. This is the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is that when Jesus began to speak, when you speak what Jesus has commanded you to speak, the God the Father God the Holy Spirit and God the Son begin to dwell the fullness of the Godhead begins to dwell in you. And when he dwells in you, ladies and gentlemen, John 14 says, he does the work. Come on. I want you to read that in John 14 because I really feel like we need to establish that John 14 in verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority but the father who dwells in me does the 
works. Jesus' message or, or the message or the, the gospel of the kingdom is a message, a gospel of grace. Jesus did not preach a different gospel to what Paul was preaching. In fact, Paul was re-emphasizing what Jesus was preaching. He understood that when you speak the word that God is speaking and you do the things that God is doing, God does the work. He comes and dwells in you. He comes and establishes his kingdom in you. And then he begins to do the work. And so this week, I want to prophesy over you that you will hear the voice of God in your life. You will begin to see the things that God is doing in your life. And as you hear God and as you speak, as you see God and as you do, that you will experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And then you begin to experience God at work. You will begin to experience God working, His grace working in your life. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of grace. So I want to bless you today. I want to declare God's fullness over you. The fullness of His Spirit upon you. May your life never be the same. I want to declare over you God's protection. I want to declare over you that as you come into full submission and the revelation of submission, that you will experience the anointing. You will begin to experience the blessing that is upon our life, over your life. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for receiving this word. I want to thank you for speaking what God speaks and doing what God does. I bless you in Jesus' name.